0: This is Anabaptist Perspectives.
1: We're here again with Daniel. Uh, We did another episode of your story, how you came to the Anabaptists. I mean, you mentioned you had done some work in China. Tell us a little bit about that. What was your involvement there? How long did you live there? What was it like? Yeah, we lived there for 10 years as missionaries. Uh, We started
0: off as students. We started an English ministry at first, or just Mm. English Bible studies it's very insane how fast people will listen and actually start to believe, at least our first few years. Uh, We had I don't know, 30, we weren't even putting much effort into it because we were doing language school, but we had like 30 or 40 people coming to the Lord. We had a little bit of division between the two-kingdom concept before I even realized it. Some of the house churches that we would plug them in with were okay with them joining the Communist Party and some would say absolutely not because that's joining You have to say that you don't believe in Christ and you have to lie and swear oaths and all that kind of stuff. And so there were groups on both sides. But there's two very particular things about the Chinese. We were there for 10 years. In the first three years of language school, we were doing things in English. Then it slowly switched over to Chinese. And then our organization, uh, I won't mention names, sent us to Cambodia to do a training to basically to tell us to stop using the Bible. In the sense of just reading the Bible, but start storytelling because it's it's worked somewhere in South China, and we were very skeptical. They told us also to scrap all the ministries we had before and start over, and so that was very Uh difficult and it wasn't a good idea whatsoever. We came back and we scrapped it. We did what they said and we tried this storytelling method for a year and had absolutely no fruit. And our other method was bearing lots of fruit. Then you've heard in the last message. You'll have to go back and check that out. That we. worked with another Christian and that we didn't see eye to eye on things and it really changed our life. But one thing I didn't mention was that there's two types of experiences over there in our city of seven million and there's probably another six or seven million people living there unregistered. There is very rare to run into Christians and before you know it you realize you kind of knew all the Christians in the city it seemed like because y- you would run into someone and they would and they're a Christian they would know everybody you knew and it's like there can't be that many Christians if we all know everybody. But whenever you talked about Jesus, they really honed in, they didn't know about it. You'd ask them about Christ and half the people would say, well, isn't that the guy in the Da Vinci Code? And they would mention like some books that were allowed in and oh yeah, that's that ladies religion where all the ladies go worship because it's mostly women Christians over there, unfortunately. And then we went to the countryside. This was the second. Uh, This whole village was Christian. It was winter time and the snow was really, really deep. And they don't, have air, they don't have central heating and air, they cook, uh, big walks. And then they have what they call a kong, which is like a concrete bed that runs across each room. And the heat from the cooking, the smoke goes through pipes under the bed to heat the beds. And the reason this is important is because the air was freezing cold. And so in the winter, you'd all, all, everybody would, they're all farming billet. This is a whole farming thing. So during the winter, they don't have work. And so we would sit on one, We were there, this was our second year there, we would, in the morning, wake up, sit on a kong. All these people would come over, and we'd eat snacks all day and, and talk about God, mostly, it mm-hmm. seemed like. And then this is a very kingdom kind of feel in this village. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we would get up, and we would go to another house, and we'd sit on their kong all day and eat and talk about God and whatever's going on. And then when we went to church on Sunday, we would kneel and pr- sing for for hours, it felt like. I mean, it, I just my whole body couldn't take it half the time and it was very normal to them, and I was like, they just say a number, and I'm like, how do they all know all these songs, and where are these songs at, and they're like, they're the psalms, and they all sang the psalms, and they all knew, memorized the psalms, and I'm like, this is incredible, like, I might know one or two psalms, and they'd like, just say them, and they know that one person will remember the tune, and then they all start following, and it really put my faith to shame. I'm supposed to be coming here and helping people believe in God, and I'm amongst these people who are memorized the Psalms. And then we, I found this book, this Bible that just looks like you've seen a lot of torn and used Bibles, but this was the most I've ever seen for sure. And it was like so used. And uh, I was like, whose Bible is this? This is amazing. And it was a sister who they claimed to memorize the whole Bible and didn't need it anymore. And if you look at the Bible, you can kind of believe it. And they, I'm like, what do you mean memorize? And like, you can literally, they said you could literally say chapter and verse and she says it. And I still have a hard time believing that. But, but they were really serious. Like things like, I made a joke one time, and it wasn't a bad joke. But they were like, we're not supposed to be joking. And like they, this village was very different than Christians I'd ever met. And it really challenged me. And there, But there's a lot of evangelical and Protestant things in China. So you run into some people, like we had a lady join our second church plant. She made it a battle the whole time. Like we had a guy who was reading his Bible and praying and was faithful for a whole year. And he was like, I want to be baptized. I want to be a part of this. And then she asked him, "Uh, so when you get in front of God in heaven and he asks you why you should be let in, what's your answer? And he's like, I never thought about that. She's like, he's not ready. And then I was like, this guy has been reading the Bible with us for a year. Where did you even come up with this question? (laughs) And like, we battled. It's like, I'm like, can you please just this? Now he's wondering, you just told him in like 10 seconds. And now he's like wondering, should I, I'm not ready for this because I didn't know that answer. And I was like, it's not a biblical thing. And anyway, there's, there's a lot of confusion in China. Thankfully, David Burseau's book on the kingdom that turned the world upside down is in Chinese. And I didn't know that at the time, but. People are passing around over there. But one of the things they have, there's a book, there's a chapter, I don't know which chapter it is in that book, that's about being a part of the politics. I've had multiple Christians over there say, well, who did he write this chapter to? Because their Christianity, they aren't involved in their government because their government oh. is against it. And so they're like, well, why would you be involved with your government and be voting and all this stuff? Because they, theirs is so polarized, you know, you mm-hmm. don't mix it at all and you can't. So I thought that was really interesting that something that is a big problem here basically doesn't exist over there.
1: So how did your involvement with the Chinese church or even just Chinese culture impact you, change you, etc., in ways that maybe wouldn't have happened if you would have stayed in a Western country or, or a Western-style church? Yeah, I mentioned this a little in the last video, but the, the way they took the Bible very literal
0: and they took every principle and ran with it hard. Like when every time it said always never, would never do this and always do that. Any, Mm -hmm. anything that's absolute, they would really believe it. Like, and the one I said last time, in all things always, never complain or argue. Mm -hmm. They took that very serious. Like if anybody was complaining or arguing, they would say, hey, that's not of us. We don't do that. That's amazing. Or (laughs) don't don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. But anything and everything, they're like, we have to do, we cannot worry, let's not worry. If someone's worrying, we gotta stop worrying. So like all those different concepts that with always, never, or anything and everything, they really fought for those things and believe those things where it's hard to go day a lot of times in in all churches in America without hearing, complaining, or arguing, or you know, something like that. So that changed me so much. Like (laughs) I hear myself complaining when I do now, where before,
1: you know and I'm able to mm-hmm. say, "Okay, we got to stop it so it really helped you um I, I don't know it almost sounds cliche, but come to the Bible with fresh eyes like and like oh I, I didn't think about it quite like this before so on the heels of that, then how can we in the West, you know Western Christians, hear well, understand well from our brothers and sisters in other countries i'm obviously you would be more specific to China, but how can we learn from them exactly that, like taking the Bible for what it says and don't try to make
0: it fit what you what feels good to us, Mm -hmm. and actually take those absolutes as absolutes. We need to make it a part of, take it away completely from our lives, or when it says only encourage, you know, to like actually be encouraging people all the time. I think that that's, there are faults in the Chinese church, and there are problems, and like, for example, it could be a a fault that could be turned to something good. They put all their loyalty in one person. So they wanted me to be the pastor the Mm -hmm. whole time instead of having a group of elders. And I made a group of elders that what didn't include me, I mean I chose enough over time, a group of three men. The whole time they were trying to get one of them to take the place of all of them and get rid of the rest of them. They just wanted that dictatorship like they have, like the Chinese leaders are these... they control everything. They, mm-hmm. They're they used to that and they want that. And I was always saying, well, Christ is the head and you can treat Christ that way, but then you have elders that you need to listen to and they're gonna work together to help mm-hmm. out the situation. I don't know if that helps with this question, but they're, yeah. they definitely have faults and different things that they've been raised with that change their perspective mm-hmm. of, of something. And I'm not saying I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe Christ should be the one and then not any one person.
1: So maybe um, a, a way to approach this is just, we should stay humble towards those that practice church very differently than us, I guess. Yeah. You know, or, or cultures that are very different. I, like the cultural element, I'm guessing that was challenging at points, or may, probably many times.
0: And I hate to bring up head coverings again, but that mm-hmm. head coverings over there, you can't really force someone to wear any specific kind. First of all, they're illegal. But if it looks like a, like something that's a style and not uniform, not like everybody's exactly the same, you could probably get away with it. But if you have a bunch of people all wearing the same thing, especially something illegal on their head, it's like not a good thing. So colors would be welcome maybe, I don't know. I'm not saying this is what should happen, but it's um, or the other option would just be black where it blends in with the hair and it's small. But I hate to, yeah. you know,
1: So some of the challenges of having to navigate some of these things, too. Do you feel your experiences in China, the people you worked with, do you feel that that really helped bring you closer or even bring you to Anabaptist thought? Yeah, for sure. There's a combination of a lot of things,
0: but it it started there. You know, I mean, it started in lots of spots, but whenever the Chinese were taking everything very literal, and I was at the point of realizing that everything that I've learned before might be wrong at the same time that I'm watching them take it all literal and not teaching them, but letting them just reading the Bible together and saying, how do we do this? And they say, well, it says do this, so that's what we do. And I was like, okay, that's pretty simple. My explanation would have been
1: much more complicated. Wow, that's like that's kind of neat. You had to God had to take you all the way to China to complete this journey of of coming to this new way of thinking. That, that's neat.
0: If I didn't go to China, I'm 99% sure. I mean, God could have led me here somehow, <laughs> but I don't think I'd
1: be here. Wow. So clearly their way of doing church, and they you know you were able to learn a lot from that, and that deeply impacted you. Yeah, that's that's great. Was there anything else you would like to share about your time there, and and more lessons we can learn from them? Yeah, wealth. One of the things that
0: impacted me about the whole idea of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought of it as a, as a problem until I watched these Chinese pastors living off of like $150, $300 a month and having a kid and not complaining about it. And like the, I, I used to think I need to go home and raise more support because we don't have enough. And then after these guys, I'm like, man, I don't need any support. They're, they're living on faith. They really know how to live on faith. And, and we would be considered very irresponsible for living like that, but they, they really are living on faith. And so, like, the ability to, you know, not know, literally not know if you're having enough money to eat, possibly, but you're pastoring churches, and you're, and I mean, they get side jobs when they have to get side jobs, and Mm -hmm. so I thought that really challenged whenever, like, when people would say, I need to get more money, I'm like, and I'm trying to live as a poor person, and I'm like, I'm so filthy rich compared to... I don't make in a, in the states. I might be considered a, someone with not much money, but compared to the pastors there, I'm wealthy. I sh- I'm I'm the camel, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to be making more money. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. if I do, then yeah. it can go to the
1: kingdom. But I don't need it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about your experience, and and hopefully this is inspiring other people to to like you know learn from other peoples and other churches and how they do things and that's really interesting like how that was able to start you on this journey to anabaptism
0: we are delighted that we can bring these episodes to you free of charge and make them available across the internet we put a lot of work and money into travel and production to keep producing episodes we need your help one way you can support us is by making a tax-deductible donation by sending us a check or donating online Another way to support Anabaptist Perspectives is by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Anabaptist Perspectives. By joining on Patreon, you will gain access to bonus content, including exclusive live stream footage and a special Q&A podcast with the Anabaptist Perspective staff.